Hi guys, welcome to Safe Sites Global Safety Leaders video series. Today we're with Jeff Woods, one of my good friends or new friends in the country. Jeff, how are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Thanks, Dale. And so Jeff and I, we had a chat on the phone, but it was really, really exciting. I thought Jeff was a great man and I decided that I didn't just want to leave it to his voice because he's got a pretty face as well. Um, and we managed to make this work after a little bit of technical difficulty, as is always the case. But Jeff, uh, how are you feeling? Tell us about um, where you're at at the moment in the country. Doing good. I'm here in uh, Beaverton, Oregon, which is just south of Portland, and I'm working with graphic products here. Okay, fantastic. And I've got a friend down in Sheridan, Oregon, so is that far away? You know, I'm not sure. Is that down south a little bit? Yeah, I believe so. So it's about yeah, yeah about two hours drive from Portland, I think, south. Yeah, down by Eugene, etc. Yeah. Um, but it's fantastic. Now we we've obviously got a lot to talk about, but not too much time. But you you've had a an extensive career in all things to do with safety. Do you want to tell us about uh, why you decided to get into safety originally? Yeah, you know, uh, starting out when I was real young, I think I had, I had uh, we had talked about this before. You know, I was always the kid when we were climbing trees. I was the one that always had his arm around one of the limbs, uh, yeah. make sure I didn't fall off. That yeah. was my fall protection back in the day. And uh, you know, I had a lot of friends that fell out of the trees and end up with broken legs uh, throughout the summer, etc. And I didn't want that to be me. So right away, even when I was young, I knew that uh, safety was important. I adhered to it, and it saved me a lot of broken bones. Definitely. Uh, so, you know, that was kind of the the beginning of it way back then. I was taught to be pretty careful. Fantastic. And, I mean, I I think I was the kid falling out of the tree a lot too. So <laughs> if you were there, I'd, I'd probably have a few more brain cells left by now. That's all right. You had all the girls signing your cast, so oh. that was a good thing. <laughs> I hope so. I, I think that's um all, all that I need is a... a one of those now because I haven't been too lucky. But, <laughs> yeah, I think they sell a fake one online. <laughs> oh, maybe I'll have to look into it. So you, you've obviously had a few roles. Um, I guess when did you find that this was going to be something you'd spend your life doing? Because obviously you entered the career and then you you took a liking to it. When was that turning point for you? You know, probably the biggest uh, turning point for me was when I was down in Odessa, Texas, and uh, working out there in the oil fields in the Permian Basin. And there's a lot of serious problems and issues that you can get out. Uh, the sites are pretty far out uh, as far as getting medical care or anything like that. And it becomes very, very important that you adhere to all of the safety rules and guidelines and you work together as a team because you've got heavy pressure. A uh, lot of different things that can go wrong between the drill and rig itself and your interaction with that. So that, that was probably the thing that spurred me out the most. And working with a big company, uh, international company like Halliburton, uh, you know, the equipment, everything that you're around, it, it can hurt you, seriously hurt you. So I, I believe I saw a documentary one time on Halliburton and I think they had Ben and Jerry's and McDonald's and all kinds of things in some of the remote oil fields. Is that true, mate? Uh, you know, I haven't seen any of that, but I was well taken care of. Uh, the crew leaders always made sure that we uh, 
when we got done working, we'd go out for a big steak dinner. So there was a lot of bonus to that. That's good that the protein, I'm always a fan of more protein to grow those muscles. That's right. Um, and, and I hope it was Aussie beef or you probably, I don't know, you probably can't remember I that. I think it was Angus, Texas, man, Texas beef. Yeah, if I'm not wrong, I think Angus, I think that derivative or, or breed is really big um, back home in terms of uh, the, the cow breed, the Angus. So I think most, yeah. most of our meat's Angus meat. Um, yeah. And, and so you've had, obviously, a, a, a really enriching career on-site. In terms of your on-site experience, how did you find... I, I know, for instance, I've spoken to a lot of safety professionals and they feel it difficult to convey... Uh, you, if some someone's doing something wrong, they find it difficult to convey that to them without offending them. Did you have a particular strategy or tactic to kind of inform people when they're not doing the safest thing on site? Yeah, I did. Uh, unless it was IDLH, you know, immediately dangerous to life and health. If it wasn't something that was like that that needed immediately stop, stop, stop right now, basically the way I'd do it is I'd, I'd watch them and then I'd approach them and I'd tell them first off what they were doing right. Yeah. You know, I noticed that you wore your PPE. I noticed that you, you know, had a guard on the tool. But I also noticed this. And I was wondering why it is that you do that. So now you get more into the behavior-based safety and you get into explanation instead of a yes, no, or a head nod. Yeah. So you're getting at the issue. Why? Was it the training? Was it the way their dad taught them to do it? Um, is it just how they thought it should be done? And then once you understand that, you can come up with a, you know simple explanations for corrective actions or you know how it should be done according to federal regulation, et cetera. And it kind of smooths the whole thing out. You're there as a support and a help, not as an overlord. That's a very good point. I, I wrote yesterday about some of the most common breaches that OSHA sees on it, inspections in 2014. In your line of work, when you're in the field, what was the most common kind of breach that you'd pick up? You know, it still goes back to a lot of the working at height. In 2015, they have the new OSHA violation, top violations out, and it starts again with fall protection. Uh, also, scaffolding is mentioned in there as well in the top three. So, working at height is a big issue. It's easy for people to not do 100% tie off if they don't have the right equipment. You have to have the dual lanyards, otherwise you're moving from spot to spot and you're not tying off, you have to unhook at one point. And it takes some planning to get that to happen. The minute that that guy unhooks and he's not tied off, that's when it's going to come for him. Yeah. So, and I, know, that, that's the biggest issue. I, I'm speaking from first-hand experience too, in that I, I was once um, doing some high-level work. Um, and I'm generally very cautious, but I actually forgot to clip back in. Uh, and I fell, yeah, I fell not too far, but I fell onto a wire cable. So that broke my fall. Um, and that hit me right in the, the bladder region. So ever since there, I've had actually a few issues with my health um, that, that they're not causing me too much pain now, but um, I've got a bit of a constant pain since then, and that was six years ago now. So, I mean, I know how important it is to make sure that you're clipped in. Um, and I'm sure many of the viewers have, you know, even worse stories than that, where they themselves have 
broken arms or legs or even seen people pass away from bad falls. Absolutely. But thank you for sharing that. I guess that leads me into thinking about what are some tips for guys uh, in the field? Do you think there's one or two safety principles that really stick in your mind that you'd like to reiterate with people? Yeah, I'll tell you, one of the things that I wrote an article about on LinkedIn, um, I've got over 10,000 followers or connections, I should say, on LinkedIn, and it's all with safety professionals because my goal is to unite all of us and share information uh, when it's happening and all of the great things that are out there from checklists to you name it, new software, etc., cetera, uh, to make sure that we're helping with compliance. But one of the number one things that I discovered it doesn't matter how big the job or how small the job. If you'll break groups down into five people, then you'll always have somebody in charge, meaning a person in charge, no matter whether they've got their boss there or not. When that boss leaves, one of the things he should do is designate one of those people that's still there on the team, on the crew, as the person in charge. What that means is they're now responsible for the safety not only of themselves, but of the men there that are there. That way, when incidents happen, people aren't going, yeah, well, they were in charge. No, that's not how it works. When somebody's in charge and they understand that they're in charge, the responsibility level goes up. Everybody gets involved. It's a small group. They all know their part that they're playing because of their job site uh, analysis or hazard analysis, and it makes it easy now to fulfill all of the roles of safety and do the job right. When you walk away and you leave a group of guys just to themselves, it's very easy for them to get for, forget safety and just go into production mode. And that's what we want to avoid. So that, that's one of my key things is making sure you have a small group that are all accountable to each other, watching out for each other. Safety will improve immensely if you practice that. Fantastic. And Jeff, what's your point? Because I know you're a bit like me. We're both heartfelt safety warriors. You're just a, a bit of a better looking version than me. Um, <laughs> but tell, tell me, what's your message for people out there who aren't doing the right thing and who are risking people's lives? And uh, I can, I'm not going to tell you where I am doing this right now, but I can literally see people violating some of the OSHA principles across in a, a, in a building that's going up here in San Francisco. So right. what, what's your message to people who aren't doing it right? Well, you know what it comes down to is responsibility. You know, every one of those people on the job has somebody that they go home to or they have a life. If you actually got to know each one of those people and became involved in their life, you'd realize how important it is. Every decision you make can change their life forever. Whether it's the loss of a finger or a bad fall or an incapacitation, it doesn't matter. Your job is not just production anymore. That's all changed. They don't have, or it's going away from having a production manual and a safety manual. Now they're combining them in one so that when you're actually working production, you're creating, you're doing something, you're doing it safely or you're safely doing it. Okay? That's the difference. Everybody is responsible. Everybody needs to learn what it is they need to do to be safe. If they don't know, they need to ask. And that's the end of the story. Now, what we're finding 
is that people that don't follow safety rules, OSHA is actually coming after them from management all the way down to frontline supervisors. Yeah. If you're not following the rules, you may find yourself in jail. That's motivation enough it for is. me. I don't want to go to jail. And we, I, I think you may or may not have seen this interview, but a lot of the viewers did the previous interview that I've done in this video series with Larry Butler. He was the ex-president right. of Kitchell Homes. And he said a similar thing. He said people who are going against OSHA's code it's not just the general co contractors or people at a lower level, but they're going after the CEOs and the management of companies that right. aren't compliant. Uh, so I guess that brings me to another point, which is when you're operating safety, there's actually or operating safely. Sorry, there's benefits that are, are, are more than just saving lives and reducing injuries. I, I believe that you have a workforce that feels more, you know, looked after and they in, in, in that way they feel a little more productive in their everyday life because they enjoy where they're working. Um, I think as well if safety managers get all their processes right, then they're working less in a way uh, because they're able to do it faster um, and make sure that everyone's involved. Do you think there's other general benefits just uh, other than just saving lives and preventing injuries from safety culture? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, you know, when you take on that responsibility for yourself and your actions and then also the actions of other people and you're willing to speak up and train and help, the benefits come across the board. People work together, they understand how it's supposed to be done, how it's supposed to be done safely. It all goes smoother, just like, you know, Guys have a problem talking things out. One of the biggest things that I used to do is when we'd have a safety meeting, I would make them talk with each other. From the newest guy out there that's scared to death about everything to the guy that's been out there 20 years, if they're not sharing something they know or they're feeling or, or they're concerned about, we're not doing safety right. We've got to start communicating better. The more we communicate, the better things go, and that is a big part of safety. If safety does nothing else, it improves communication, and we all know through improved communication, everything improves. I really like that. So increased safety equals increased communication. Guys, remember that that's one of the best lines I've heard doing this job. So thanks for that, Jeff. You're welcome. With, with technology and safety, you know, in addition to doing this, I, I've been working on this app with a few other uh, Aussies and we've, we've got about 3,000 users now across the world. Not only our app, but do, do you see that technology is going to come more and more into play in future years with safety? Yeah, it is already. Uh, over the last two or three years, we've seen a huge uh, push for software and management of safety programs. So they're getting a lot more precise. We're getting to understand the trending uh, so we can get ahead of things before they happen. Uh, even our company, Graphic Products, for years has been making labels, which it's so easy, as you can see, the, the labels uh, you know, up on the wall. It's hard to know which way I'm pointing. Yeah. Uh, up here, the labels, just a pictogram. As you can see, the, the GHS program, MSDS, SDS, all that's changed to become much more simplified so that a person can look at a color, can look at a pictogram and go, hey, 
I need to watch out here. And they immediately start to understand the hazards. That's all part of the new software, um, labeling processes, all of that that's out there for us to use, not, not counting all the industrial hygiene measuring tools that we have from uh, you know, gas, H2S monitors. Now, it's not uncommon to see a four gas or five gas Altair monitor where we always used to just see a single gas mm -hmm. because they're coming down and it's so much more important. Uh, H2S used to be the big concern, but it's also low oxygen content um, atmospheres as well. So all of this is starting to, to change the way that we do safety through electronics, through programs, through software. And you mentioned that because uh, now for the viewers who don't know, you've taken more uh, of a business development role uh, with Graphic, right? And That's correct. And, and so with, with being in office there, ob obviously through your product and your passion, you can help people who are on site. Uh, you spoke to me about a printer that's really uh, uh, versatile. Would you like to mention that as well? Yeah, absolutely. We have the only printer that's portable. It's battery operated and it prints out labels using a thermal head. And this printer is, is phenomenal. I mean, there's nothing like it. It's called the Toro. It's got its own keyboard and screen. It's very compact, very versatile. Um, solid working time on it if you're running it constant is three solid hours out in the field where you can actually be right there at the equipment and in the environment and create labels for chemicals for machinery for whatever it might be signage etc to help make the workplace safe it just makes sense it's a great great product yeah and I think uh, Jeff and I get to speak about it, but we're, we, I, we're looking at probably working a bit closer together in some way or another, so I might be able to talk to Jeff after this about a special offer for, you know, safe site users and going forward as well. So, uh, yeah, I'll put, just get in touch with me via the comments in the description uh, and we can have another chat about not only that, but some of other, uh, some other of Jeff's products. Now, on a casual note, Jeff, I always like to wrap these things up by asking a few funny questions. So, the first, sure. the first one is is Coke or Pepsi? Which one do you like more? Coke, Coke. absolutely. That's a good answer. From Mexico, bottled in Mexico, <laughs> like the sugar cane. I love it. I love it. I'm I'm a big fan, guys. I I'm very health conscious, but nothing beats a good cold Coke out of a glass bottle. I love that. That's right. Um. But, yeah, especially after a hard day's work, you can afford to take a few calories in. Yeah. And in terms of a sports team or someone you follow, do you have any anything that you're really passionate about? Yeah, I really do uh, follow the MotoGP. I like uh, the racers. I ride Ducati, and uh, I just I love watching the races all over the, all over the world, the, the different scenes, the different places, the racers that have been out there putting their heart and soul into the sport. Uh, to me, it's it's an amazing feat how they run these bikes, knowing knowing how they're built and all that's involved. Uh, uh, amazing. Uh, some real heroes as far as I'm concerned, the riders. It's yeah. a tough sport. And I've, I've seen a common trend of safety professionals liking dangerous sports, so I'm not sure what's <laughs> up with that one. But <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I push the limits on my Ducati. It's... Uh, you know, we're all people, and we all uh, have different things that we enjoy, and, and that's one, riding a bike, having that power, 
and, and heading down the road, there's something about it. It's just, it is what it is. So, you know, you, you take safety measures. I wear full leather gear, uh, some of the best helmets I can that are out there, and, and I try to be as careful as I can. Yeah, you've got to get that Kevlar on, otherwise um, it's a very dangerous sport. But uh, That's right. I mean, if we, get, if we get enough views and maybe we do a bit more work together, I'm sure Jeff would put his uh, hand up for a bit of a hot lap demonstration for an in-person video. What do you think? Absolutely. Uh, and I'll, I'll get out there. Um, if For those of you who don't know, Casey Stoner was a very successful MotoGP rider from Australia. So I'll, I'll lose about uh, 30 pounds and then I'll, I'll try and pretend to be him. And, Sounds good. And final question, whether it be safety or non-safety related, we all have idols or people we want to meet, Jeff. For you, is there someone that you, you feel has really inspired you, whether it be in this line of work or just in general life, that you'd like to spend a bit of time with? You know, in, in general, there's quite a few people that uh, that I look up to from a business front to the sports front. I mean, Valentino Rossi would be a great guy to hang out with, you know, if I could understand uh, his language and how he speaks all the time. I mean, a guy that's serious, serious, and, uh, you know, they've actually monitored his, his heart uh, and other racers when they race, and his heart rate actually goes down when he's racing. Really? So, uh, yeah, that's pretty, you know, Mark Marquez, they, they uh, measured his, and his heart rate goes up when he's racing, but uh, not Valentino. He's in the zone, and uh, that, that's pretty amazing right there. When you're that passionate about something and that confident, that says a lot. My friend Jason Bright, who's a V8 supercar racer, uh, so for, for those of you here, it's similar to NASCAR, but with bigger tracks, so more diverse right. circuits, and he took me for a hot lap before I came over to the States, and I tell you, I think my heart rate was more on the, the edge of stopping rather than just speeding up. I think it was about to stop a few times there, but I've lived to, to tell another tale, uh, Jeff, fantastic speaking with you. I think for anyone who wants to get in touch, what's the best way to send you uh, a line? Uh, they can get a hold of me at graphicproducts.com. Um, I'm there under the safety compliance uh, uh, analysis, which is one of the services services that we offer. We come out, look at your health and safety program, etc. You can reach me there. You can reach me at uh, J Woods at graphicproducts.com. That's my direct email. And happy to help you in any way we can answer any questions. I'm a, a CHST certified by the BCSP Board of uh, Certified Safety Professionals. Got a lot of uh, background in that and always happy to help anybody when it comes to safety. Well, thanks, Jeff. You're a good man and a good motorbike rider. So we look forward to having you back again. Thanks for Great. being on this episode of Global Safety Leaders. If you'd like to be featured or you know someone who would also like to be featured, just send me an email at dw at safesiteapp.com. That's safesite, S-I-T-E-A-P-P dot com. Looking forward to chatting again and God bless. Stay, stay safe out there as well. And uh, thank you for all those great insights. Great deal. Thanks for your time.